This podcast may contain themes that are unsuitable for some listeners. Please check the episode description for content warnings. A Court of Thorns and Roses, Chapter 12 I couldn't entirely shake the horror, the gore of my dream as I walked down the dark halls of the manor, the servants and Lucian long since asleep. But I had to do something, anything, after that nightmare, if only to avoid sleeping. I'm Katie. And I'm Ruth. And welcome to A Court of Thoughts and Proses. And this week, our theme is healing. So basically, my story is about I had my tonsils removed. It was in my third year at uni and I couldn't have it done at home. Normally I'd go home to have like a serious operation. And this is the first time I was kind of going it alone. So I was at uni living with like my one of my closest friends, Heather. And she was going to look after me basically after I'd had this operation done. And if you've never had your tonsils removed, it is horrific. You can't eat it hurts to eat you basically got these big wounds in the back of your throat it was really bad but for me it was actually a very healing experience both mentally and physically because I proved that I could heal away from my family I proved that I could go through this big experience and it was just a really lovely time so the reason why it was so lovely was because I have a lot of special memories from that time. So Heather was so great looking after me. I, the only thing I wanted to eat was KFC gravy and chips and cheese on toast, but not just any cheese on toast. Heather's special cheese on toast, which she'd make and she'd put Worcestershire sauce on it and some herbs and stuff. And it was just so lovely. And my friend Henry as well came around and looked after me and would babysit me when Heather wasn't there. And I would just lie on the sofa and he would put Netflix on for me. And I'd be like, I want to watch Spirited Away. So he'd like put the movie on. I'd be like, no, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch this. And then he'd change it. And then eventually be like, no, no, I want to. And he'd keep changing the channel until I decided what I wanted to do. And for me, it's just a really heartwarming moment. And I just want to, through this chapter, look and think about the healing that we do ourselves, but also how we help other people heal through shared experiences. That's so cute. What good friends. Oh, good. I honestly, I don't think I've ever said thank you to them properly. So thank you, Heather and Henry, who probably won't listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, maybe send them a message just in case they're not listening. (laughs) Hey, boo. 30 second recap time. Oh, I forgot. I thought we were going to listen. How can you forget? It happens every week. It's your turn first, though. It's Katie's turn first. Excellent. Okay, I'm ready. Right. 30 second recap in three, two, one, go. Vera's had a nightmare, so she gets out of her bedroom and she's walking through the corridors making a map for herself because she wants to be able to know where everything is in the manor house. And she runs into Tamlin, and Tamlin is injured and he has killed the boggy. So Vera looks after him and she bandages up his hand, and he's very grateful because the boggy uh, has like poison in its breath, in its uh, mouth that could have killed Tamlin or hurt his healing process. Um, and then he, they have a bonding moment and he takes her to his study and leaves her uh, in the study. Okay, my turn. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. So Feyre is making a little map of the corridors and she bumps into Tamlin who's injured from fighting the buggagagaga and then she heals him up and like wipes his blood off and then she's, the next day, she can hear Tamlin and Lucian arguing and they're arguing about the blight and like Tamlin's basically saying like, I can't do it and Lucian's like, I didn't stick by your side for all this for you not to, you know, basically get with this chick. And then... I can't remember anything else that happens. The end. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) 
You really trailed off at the end there. I could hear you turning the pages of your book. Yeah, I was like, ah! <laughs> Let's get started with our theme then. So do you want to start with where you see healing? So we, he- we see healing straight at the start of the chapter. Feyre is making a map of walking around at the grounds. Obviously she can't write properly, so she's just kind of drawing symbols as she's going around, trying to map out the environment to make her seem more comfortable. And as she's walking around the dimly lit manor house, she's seeing all these paintings and she's thinking about how she wants to admire them. Mm. And that's a sign, I think, that Feyre is beginning to heal from her fight or flight kind of instincts from her previous life. I don't know if you can call it a previous life. What would you call it? Yeah, from her life in the human lands. It's something that we keep pointing out, isn't it? That that for Feyre, art is so important. It's healing, it's distraction, it's comfort. It's it's just, it's such a massive part of her inner, inner life. And that's that's a really nice thing to have. It reminds me because obviously we're both quite creative Katie is a master seamstress and does lots of creative things. I also like to dabble in the arts, as it were. And it's hobbies and that kind of thing are so important for healing and having something outside of work, something you can enjoy that's not necessarily for productivity. And I think that's mm. kind of how it's starting to manifest as a sign of healing. Yeah, and it's it's a dangerous line, especially in like hustle culture, isn't it? Because it's like, develop a new hobby so that you can monetize it. and I've certainly fallen prey to that like I teach courses I teach textile courses and that's a hobby which is now part of my work whereas Feyre never does Feyre never makes money out of her art it it always is just for her for her like for her family for her friends you know whoever she gives the paintings to we're probably going to talk about self-care aren't we because self-care is sort of healing but I think art really is self-care for her but not in a yeah not in like a capitalist heal yourself with art and then sell those paintings to make money to afford your therapy and i mean she might not be able to sell those paintings for very much because is very good at art we don't know see you say this but i i have never heard this meme that that Feyre is bad at art so we'll have to see what the text actually says if there is any indication if she's good at painting or not <laughs> For reference for the community who may not have heard, there is a big meme or there has always been a big joke going around that Feyre is not actually very good at drawing. So when she does things like when she paints the cabin in book two and like decorates their family place and Reese is like, oh, lovely drawings. I think she's actually a really bad painter and has just defaced but maybe, this special place. But maybe him. that doesn't matter because, you know, she's not selling her art and it's not for anyone else. So like I'm a fairly bad drawer. Like, I am not good at, especially drawing people, like, unless I'm copying from from something else, from, like, another line drawing, I find it really difficult. But if it's just for you, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. Like, it's just, it's just an outlet, isn't it? That's a good point, actually, because that's another of those things that for you to do something to become good at it, obviously you're allowed to, but to do something simply because you're good at it feeds almost into that capitalist yeah mindset again just doing something because you can do it and you find it fun and you're not good at it yeah. it's more freeing yeah and I mean I found that sewing like every it's going to take me so long to be good at it because I want to do historical sewing which is like I would argue even harder than like regular sewing because you're trying to get these techniques which you might not 
have much information about anymore. And it's going to take me so long. It's going to take me a lifetime to be good at it. But that's kind of the point. And each project that I do, I get so much better that it's, yeah, that it's like, and people keep going, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to sell your stuff on Etsy. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. A, it's not good enough. B, I'd have to charge like £600 for the amount of hours that I put in. And C, it's not for anyone else. It's for me. It's for my learning. So where do you see healing in this chapter? The big obvious place for physical healing is, of course, Tamlin gets injured by the boggy. He gets bitten on his hand by the boggy. And it has something in its mouth. The boggy's bite was crafted to slow the healing of High Fae long enough to kill us. Because, of course, normally fairies can heal very quickly. Like, they're immortal. They can just, you know, they get stabbed and, boof, healed most of the time. (laughs) But, yeah, so... Feyre, when she sees Tamlin come in, is a bit frightened by him because he's very imposing, like he's just been in a big battle and he's covered in blood. And she's like, oh my god, he is so powerful. He's just killed the boggy, that's insane. But she goes, oh, he's hurt. And she kind of goes into caretaker mode and she takes him to this little infirmary and she physically, you know, cleans the wound, bandages it up, looks after him. And I really think this moment is the is the turning point in Feyre and Tamlin's relationship because they've just been not working up until this point. Like Tamlin keeps trying to entice Feyre and Feyre just keeps pushing him back and being like, absolutely not, you are my kidnapper, I am not interested. And in this moment where Tamlin is injured, he kind of lets that facade drop and is just like, I am tired, I am injured, I don't have the energy to like pretend to be interested in you. And Feyre is like, oh okay this is like an emergency you are injured let me heal you and they're both a lot more honest with their behavior and their feelings so as well as it being a physical healing of Tamlin's hand it's kind of like a relational healing and a sort of fresh start where they can be more honest with each other I love that and I want to look at it from Feyre's perspective because for me this point really stuck out to me because it is the second time she has touched a Faye herself ever so the first time she obviously touches someone is when she's skinning andras and that is a very violent action that she's obviously doing because she needs to survive it's practical and then the second time she's touching someone on purpose a fae is when she's touching tamlin and it is an act of healing and you can really see the growth and the fact that she's realized you know that fae aren't the enemy all this kind of stuff tamlin's not gonna hurt me probably yeah I just thought it was very interesting how fast Feyre can learn and how much of a compassionate heart that she does have. And she's only doing the things she was only, you know, killing something out of survival, even though she didn't know Andras was a fae. Yeah. She still has that good heart underneath. Yeah. And the thing that I found interesting is that Tamlin is much less, Tamlin is much less complimentary or like, I don't know what you'd call it. He lies less in this chapter. Mm. And... I wouldn't say his words are particularly complimentary or, like, nice. For instance, you aren't what I expected for a human. Like, (laughs) it's a very negging, like, backhanded compliment, but fine, it's honest. She is not what he expected. She is... She can control her fear of him long enough to heal him. The thing that I found hilarious was, you can't write, yet you learn to hunt, to survive. How? Tamlin, darling. You don't usually learn to hunt from books. 
you don't usually take out a manual from the library that's like, ah, good, this is how you use a bow and arrow. It's not usually a written down skill, which I just thought was Tamlin showing his like, I don't know, like literacy bias. He's like, ah, <laughs> I am well read. Therefore, everyone must learn these things from books. Idiot. <laughs> I just love her. I love her response and the fact that she could take the high road, but she instead chooses to say, well, I'm just like you. I had to learn to do things off piste, if as it were. Yeah, and it's really nice. It's That's what happens when you're responsible for lives other than your own, isn't it? You do what you have to do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think she does She does take the high road <laughs> instead of being like, you're so rude to me. Why are you so rude? It, I think it's an answer that is very befitting of a lady of the night court to be mm. so generous and to be so lovely and to be so... What's the word? She's reaching out to him. Yeah. To repair that relationship almost because she knows that he's a very vulnerable place and accepts that. And even though he's not saying the right things, she understands that and is still being nice to him. Yeah. Yeah. And but and again, it's still it's still honest. You know, she's saying, well, I had to do it because otherwise my family would die. And I see that connection in you as well, because you have this burden of power placed on you that you didn't want. Yeah. I like this like relational healing. I think it's very wholesome. And it gives them a a better grounding point to become friends in the later chapter or become more than friends. So looking at relational healing, or should we look at the opposite? Relational breakups. Tamlin and Lucian are having a big fight. I mean, it's all very catty. Claws are out. (laughs) Literal claws. Tamlin's claws. Yes. I love it because in this argument... Lucian actually says for someone with a heart of stone yours is certainly soft these days that is the Mm. first mention that we get to the fact that he's actually got a heart of stone yeah and that's going to be an important thing the end of this book because because it's part of the curse my question is (laughs) why does Amarantha make it part of the curse because it doesn't stop him from falling in love either from like a metaphorical or a literal point of view, because love doesn't come from your heart, it comes from your brain. And he falls in love with ta- with Feyre anyway. So is it just to be a, be annoying? Is it just like, your powers are going to be restricted, I'm going to like enslave all your people, you have to try and fall in love with a human, and also your heart's going to be made of stone just for the lols. Like, is it really the... heavy? That must be quite heavy. Well, like, what's the, maybe that's maybe that's how she binds his powers. Like oh. maybe they're bound into like his heart. How do the how do how do his vessels fit? Like, does that yeah. mean that his vessels are made of stone, or is the blood just does the stone still contract? Too many biology questions. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, so Tamlin and Lucian want Feyre to figure it out. So they're having this dust up, but they're like deliberately leaving the doors open and they have the power to like create um, uh, a bubble of air so that Feyre couldn't hear any of this. But they deliberately want her to hear this, which I which we find out later, which I think is interesting that they're like, we actually want to give her more information than we're allowed to with the curse. But yeah, going back to like Lucian and Tamlin and what they're actually fighting about, Lucian is like what are you doing? We're running out of time. You need to get with Feyre. Like, you need to make her fall in love with you. And Tamlin is like, no, I, like, humans have been enslaved by my people 
I don't want to do the same thing to her. Like, I don't want to control her. It's not, it's not fair. Which is mad, is, is confusing, because up until this point, I thought that Lucian was resistant to this plan. But we find out in this chapter that, no, he wants, he really wants Tamlin to try for this plan. I think Lucian comes, Lucian's worst side is definitely coming across because he's saying, I stuck with you because I thought there was a hope that, you know, you could get us out of this. I believed in you, but now you're just bailing on me. Not looking too good, Lucian babes. I like this conversation because for me, it's a metaphor of a, the fact that things often have to get worse to get better. Mm. In off, often to heal, you have to dig up old things. So in terms of processing trauma, often in order to actually, you know, lay that thing to rest you have to bring back up the memory and you have to process it from a different point of view when you're cleaning out a hoarder's house i'm a bit obsessed with hoarding programs by the way don't ask why but you have to obviously get everything outside and start to clean everything when you're cleaning your room it looks like more of a mess but you have to go through that process for something to become better so almost for tamlin and lucian to become such close friends despite whatever happens to them in the end they have to go through this horrible messy process for things to get better and even not even for something as serious as, as trauma just in regular relationships whether that's friendships or familial or romantic there's a process called rupture and repair which is basically you have a fight you have a disagreement and then you come back together and you fix it and you work out why you had the fight and if you don't repair or you know if you have the fight if you have the rupture and then you just brush it under the carpet and pretend it didn't happen then you don't you don't fix it and like those cracks just continue to 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 keep to keep breaking the relationship so it's a shame that i don't think we see i don't think we see lucian and tamlin's repair moment but i think we are seeing tamlin and Feyre's repair moment and i think it's something we're quite good at like we have little fights little disagreements and then we come back and go okay well this is why we thought about this and like this is this is how i was feeling and this is why you felt that way and like okay well, we're back onto a good footing now <laughs> I'm someone who I'm very, I don't take criticism very well. I don't know if anybody else listening is like this. And it makes a lot of relationships very difficult because the minute someone says, well, this was something that, you know, I didn't like that you did. I immediately get defensive about that. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't talk to them ever again. And it's not a very healthy mechanism. And this book kind of almost reminds me that you can kidnap someone and I'll still fall in love with you. So it's okay. <laughs> Is that the moral that we should be taking from this book? I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of, you know, the bit in Friends when Chandler and Monica are dating and they have a fight and then Chandler's like, well, I guess we're breaking up now. And Monica's like, no, we had a fight. You don't break up after you have a fight. Is that why all your relationships failed? And you see this like light, like lightning brain moment in Chandler's head where he's like, oh. <laughs> and he never learned how to do repair. He only ever learned how to do rupture. Do you see any other moments of healing? At the end of this chapter, Feyre wants to go for a ride with Lucian and then Tamlin's the one that ends up going for a ride with her because Lucian says, I don't want to go for a hunt. Because clearly, Tamlin and Lucian have had a little talk, and Tamlin has said, all right, I'll try spend time with her for you, Lucian. So they go on a ride. 
Well, I mean, no, because they've just they've just had the fight where Lucian was like, "You need to spend time with her," and then Feyre walks in and he and he's like, "Perfect, off you go, children. I'm not coming. You two need to spend some time together. Bye." <laughs> so they're talking about fighting, and Tamlin asks a very genuine question of Feyre and asks, "Has anyone ever taken care of you?" Mm. And it shows that Tamlin is doing some healing in terms of he's not being a stupid man and is actually thinking about the fact that Feyre might be a little bit damaged. Mm. He's actually considering her feelings and considering that she's probably had a very difficult upbringing and is actually starting to try and want to find more out about her rather than just treat her as this goal that needs to be accomplished. Yeah, as a person rather than an objective. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Nice. <laughs> I like this section because, as as you guessed in the previous chapter, of course Tamlin noticed her stealing that knife because he goes, are you ever going to use that knife that you stole from my table? And she's like, oh God, I thought you didn't notice. <laughs> Our spiritual practice is sacred imagination this week. Ruth, are you leading the practice this week? I am indeed. It is my turn. So everybody, please close your eyes unless you're doing something important like driving. Don't crash. Try and see how you feel, notice your senses and put yourself in the perspective of one of the characters. Just notice what perspective you're watching this from. Is it from a character? Is it from third person? So let's begin. Tamlin slumped against the edge of the table, gripping his injured hand at the wrist as he watched me sort through the supplies in the cabinets and drawers. When I'd gathered what I needed, I tried not to balk at the thought of touching him. But I didn't let myself give in to the dread as I took his hand, the heat of his skin like an inferno against my cool fingers. I cleaned off his bloody, dirty hand, bracing for the first flash of those claws. But his claws remained retracted, and he kept silent as I bound and wrapped his hand. Surprisingly enough, there were no more than a few vicious cuts, none of them requiring stitching. I secured the bandage in place and stepped away, bringing the bowl of bloody water to the deep sink in the back room. His eyes were a brand upon me as I finished cleaning, and the room was too small, too hot. So, Casey, how was that? Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of both. I was kind of I was Tamlin and I was noticing his pain and like the heat from his skin, which is presumably like inflammation from the bite. And, you know, he's he's holding his his arm so that like you do when you hurt yourself, you kind of clutch it because it kind of makes you feel a bit better. So I was really noticing his pain in that moment. And like because I've had like wrist problems for the last six months so it was very like oh his poor hand (laughs) I felt very felt very sympathetic towards him and then I was kind of also Feyre well no I was kind of thinking about Feyre and how much having a really competent healer having someone to just look after you what a difference that makes and how much more confident Tamlin must feel because she's got all of the kit she knows exactly what she's doing and he can just concentrate on, okay, this hurts, but it'll be over soon. Like, and just try and distract himself from the pain and just stay silent. Whereas, you know, I've had people take blood from me, uh, nurses take blood, and 
not get it right and it just makes the whole experience worse if you don't have someone really competent looking after you it just makes you feel worse and then I was kind of also in Feyre's shoes and like yeah like the heat and sort of the sexual tension of like as you said this is the second time she's touched a fey and like what a big deal that is for her that the first time was in violence and this time it's in care it's in it's in a caretaking situation what emotions came up for you when the physical contact actually happened like a zing like a little sort of lightning like oh oh hands oh like you get when you yeah when you're like you're touching someone for the first time in like a that you're kind of a little bit attracted to because we know that trans and attractive fairy and like and it's also kind of like a bit afraid you know she's she's very intimidated by him and she's trying to hide that and just just be very very competent and very calm so yeah like a whole swirl of emotions what about you did it give you any any senses or any emotions it reminded me of a very familiar feeling of when I was getting to know my cat Bilbo Mm. and he wasn't that great with his claws and learning not to hurt people so that familiar feeling of obviously when Feyre is cleaning Tamlin's claw not his claws when Feyre is cleaning Tamlin's hand and she's worried that he's gonna cut her I remember like cuddling Bilbo for the first time and being worried I was gonna hurt him and he would sometimes dig his claws in so Mm. that it's a it's not a sense of being afraid in terms of oh I know he's gonna hurt me but I felt like that anticipation and wariness without being scared that was an interesting emotion to come up yeah we always when the cats when we're trying to train them especially from kittens to not like to not attack we always go like soft hands gentle hands gentle paws (laughs) Feyre should have said that to him. Soft hands, Tamlin. Soft hands, Tamlin. No claws now. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Shall we move on to blessings? I would love to bless some people. That would be fabulous. So I'm going to bless Mr. Tamlin Mm -hmm. because he is actually starting to be considerate of people. And healing can be very difficult, especially when you are the person that has done something wrong. And I feel like we never talk about it, about learning to heal and learning to do the right thing when you've done something wrong. But it is so difficult. And I feel like having to suck something up is very challenging. So I'm very proud of Tamlin for realising that he's being a stick in the mud and actually starting to consider Feyre's feelings and the fact that she is not an object. And this is a shout out to everybody out there that is having to learn about new opinions and all that kind of good stuff. Go you. <laughs> Who are you going to bless this week? I would like to bless Lucian for the moment where he's like, right, Tamlin and Feyre need to fall in love. I'm going to be the ultimate wingman and I am going to <laughs> manipulate a situation so that they have to spend more time together. And like, obviously, it's a very highly charged situation. There's a lot resting on on them falling in love but you know sometimes when you like someone you just need a friend to give you give you a little bit of a push and to encourage you to make that jump I went out to a cafe recently and there was a very attractive male waiter and honestly my like covid brain was so broken I was like how how do I flirt how do I who (laughs) and I could have just done with someone being like oh my friend really likes you or like oh you know Katie do you (laughs) 
let me get that guy's number for you or something. I could have just done with a little a little push from a Lucian wingman. So I would like to bless that moment. Love it. Thank you for listening to A Court of Thoughts and Proses. Please subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was produced by us and edited by me. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook and Instagram at Akatap Podcast, A-C-O-T-A-P. Thank you to the Harry Potter and Sacred Text Podcast, as always, who let us borrow their ideas. Bye, everyone. So basically, this entire chapter, Feyre's walking around, she sees a bloody Tamlin, goes, ah, oh, clean you up. They have the first little moments of contact, you know, everything goes back to normal. And then Feyre hears them eavesdropping. I didn't start my timer, so who knows how long this is going to last for. <laughs> maybe, maybe start from scratch. Did you say <laughs> Feyre sees Tamlin blue? <laughs> no, I said bloody. Oh. Or I meant to say bloody. I think I you know. said blue. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's time to shift blue. I thought he was golden. <laughs> okay.